Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back for another episode. I read a survey uh, this week that was really interesting to me. And it was uh, put out by Pew uh, Research Center. And they, I think, always do really good and credible work. And the uh, headline of this is, what makes life meaningful? And I thought this was interesting because uh, Dick Wagner, who was a pioneer in financial life planning, kind of a uh, philosopher, he, he was a CFP, inducted into the equivalent of the Financial Planning Hall of Fame. But he was, uh, he, just, he flew at 80,000 feet. <laughs> I could barely get to 30 to keep up with him. And he would have framed that question as to what makes life worth living. Not really one and the same. But the reason is that Dick told a story of a visit he did to Japan. I think it was in the context of the Financial Planning Association, would be my guess, and meeting with other Japanese financial planners. And he was looking at a person's financial statement, and along with the normal categories on a financial statement of, you know, every type of asset you could have, personal assets, stocks, real estate, etc. There was this one category marked worth living. And Dick inquired, what is worth living? Because there, were no, there was no financial number associated with this asset. And the host answered that these are the assets that make life worth living. The, the ones that are priceless, that can't quantitatively be measured by financial means, like family, health, occupation. And the concept so impacted Dick that he eventually named his company Worth Living LLC and spoke a lot about this story and the idea of what does make life worth living. This is somewhat at the center of George Kinder's three questions. And, uh, of course, George and Dick founded the Nazaruddin uh, Project. So that's kind of where my thoughts went when I uh, looked at this title. And I just thought it's just fascinating because uh, my second podcast was on the idea that we're in the in the wellness business by we, uh, meaning uh, financial life planners, financial therapists, those professionals are in the well-being business probably more than any other professional. Certainly, mental health practitioners are in the well-being business. Physicians, medical folks are in the well-being business. But the reason I say that financial I would say financial planners, 
who are doing financial life planning add the emotional component to their financial planning. So they're hitting two of those three major categories of well-being, which is emotional and financial. And most of us would argue that you can't separate emotional well-being from financial well-being. And yet the mental health profession certainly doesn't deal with financial well-being. And that's not a criticism. That, that, that just is. So that, that's why this really called out to me. And I, I thought, you know, the focus of Dick's story was always on those, um, I never heard him mention, let me put it this way, I never heard him mention financial assets as, as part of assets that make life worth living. And I can go both directions on that. And you'll, you'll see why in a minute. Because we know that money touches everything, right? Touches everything. So to, uh, from Dick's standpoint, to include financial in that, well, they were already listed on a balance sheet. But I kind of digress. It left me wondering where the Japanese ranked financial assets, right? Since they aren't part of their worth living assets, and the fact that they're on a financial statement, <laughs> where do the financial assets fit in? Uh, were they inclusive or exclusive of what made life worth living? Well, the Pew Research Study cleared all that up. The survey asked respondents from 17 developed countries to rank 17 topics. I don't know why both were 17, but they were. And so that they were to rank them from 1 to 17th on how impactful they were in bringing meaning into their lives. Now, on a global basis, number one was family. And next was uh, occupation or career. Well, that kind of lined up with the Japanese uh Dick brought back with his story because for them, the top ranked was family. Occupation was in their top five. Health was in their top five. So three of those that Dick uh, talked about were there. But what surprised me was that the survey asked, where would you rank material well-being? Material well-being is a little different from financial well-being. Uh, as you'll see, material more focuses on things. Some in the study interpreted it as, you know, a roof over your head and um, food and some of that. Others said, well, you know, that's having enough money to go out to eat, maybe go to a show. In the study, on the global basis... Material well-being was ranked third, with friends fourth, and mental and physical health fifth. So on a global basis, it was family, occupation, material well-being, friends, and mental and physical health. They combined health into mental and physical. So it's interesting that on a global basis, people put 
financial or material well-being ahead of health and emotional well-being. I'm going to circle back to that in a minute. So um, the, the Japanese rated occupation as number two behind family. In uh, neighboring Korea, they ranked material well-being as number one. Other countries that ranked material well-being in the top three were Taiwan, Spain, Belgium, the Netherlands, Canada, Italy, and the United States. Uh, material well-being was ranked at least fourth with all the other countries except for Greece, and it didn't even make their top five. I'm not going to hazard a guess as to why, but uh, especially because Greece has had uh, incredible financial challenges. So, kind of back to where I started, when we talk about well-being, we're typically talking about emotional, physical, and financial, right? So, where do friends and family, those two that were rated very high, they show up as, as separate categories? Well, are they a are they a separate part of well-being? And I would argue no. I would say that family and friends are not a separate category uh, from mental health, that they're a component of mental health. So when you, if you buy that, and I, and I think, I mean, what, what do people go to counseling for? Couples counseling is huge, right? Marital issues. Certainly, our relationship issues that would fall into family. Codependency is a big issue in counseling. Again, friends and family hit that. So I think it's a, pretty much a given that, um, that they fall under mental health. So if we combine that, then we would say that emotional well-being is number one on uh, people's list as the most important component of well-being, followed by financial, followed by physical. So um, that's a, that was kind of interesting to me because I have never really seen a rating of well-being, right? What, what do people think is number one? So emotional is the winner, followed by financial. Now, there's another really interesting aspect to this study. Some would argue there's a fourth leg of well-being, and that's spiritual. And while I wouldn't strongly disagree with that, I think it's more of a subset of emotional well-being, but, but I know I'm not going to get up by adding a, a fourth category spiritual. Now, here's what's interesting. The survey included spirituality, faith, and religion as one of the 17 categories. Where do you think it ranked? Number 16, just ahead of, of pets in importance, that was number 17. Now, that's, that's really shocking. As I'm talking about this, I think I would have liked to have taken this test, I have a list of, of the 17, and seeing how, how would I have ranked them? Some of the others that were on the, the list are um, 
let's see, we've covered our physical, our, I'm sorry, friends, well, we, we covered friends and community. Uh, society and institutions were one. That came in one, two, three, four, five, sixth. Freedom and independence was seventh. Hobbies and recreations, eighth. Education, ninth. Nature and the outdoors, tenth. Romantic partner, eleventh. Service and engagement, twelfth. Travel and new experiences, thirteenth. Retirement, fourteenth. I think I'm missing one. <laughs> Spirituality, uh, faith, and religion was 16th, and pets was 17th. And maybe they combined some there. I don't know. But those were all the categories. So, so I think it'd be fascinating to to rank those as myself. Now, this may really be surprising to you if you're in the United States listening to this. And I say if you're in the United States because I checked areas that the podcast is being downloaded in many, many places in the world have uh, people downloading the uh, podcast. So um, I'm not going to assume you're uh, U.S. But if you are U.S., you're probably a little surprised. Like 2%, you've got to be kidding me. Well, that that's true because the U.S. respondents were number one in ranking spirituality the highest. And if you just looked at the U.S., the U.S. ranked spirituality, faith, and religion as their number five most important uh, quality that gives life meaning. It's interesting that the average worldwide was number 16. So I think that um, really says something. It's possible that without the U.S., if you kick the U.S. ranking out, that uh, spirituality may have been last. So I found that fascinating. And maybe that's worth doing a whole podcast on is where is the intersection of mental health and spiritual health? Because like I said, I, I, would, I would put those into the uh, same category. Another thing about the U.S., they were also one of six countries that didn't rate physical and emotional health in their top five. Now, yes, they, they rated uh, family as number one, and, and we've said that's a subset. And there's only there was a category, physical and mental health, and that wasn't in the top five of uh, U.S. folks. Well, I wonder what was going on with that. Let's finish out um, the U.S. They rated families first, friends second, financial or material well-being third, occupation fourth. So, and of course, fifth was was uh, faith. I don't know. I, I think we ha would have to agree that physical health in the U.S. is... Uh, not, I mean, it's obviously not as high as the rest of the world. Why? Uh, well, we know that two-thirds people in the U.S. are overweight or obese. We know that physical fitness is probably only popular with 20%, 30% of the population. We know that health 
I don't know if it has to do with our healthcare system in other countries where healthcare is, quote, free. I mean, it's really not free because the taxes are much higher there. I'm just not sure. So, and I was also struck at how important a career was. You know, it was uh, number two in globally as bringing well-being. And this could make uh, some sense, especially when we think of retirement and we think of how so many of us identify ourselves, our our being, our worthiness, our value in what we do as far as an occupation. So uh, I thought that was um, very interesting and kind of supports this little band of planners that I've been a member of for 20, 20 some years, where we uh, really stress doing what a person loves. We spend so much of our time working and sleeping, right? So it, it's good to pay attention to both of those, but uh, especially our occupations. So there are some other nuances of the study that I think are worth mentioning. There were virtually no differences between men and, and women into what gives them meaning. There are some very, very slight differences, but nothing meaningful. Younger people tended to emphasize friends, education, and hobbies as a source of meaning. That could make sense because education is a huge part of uh, a young person's, a young adult's life. Older people are more likely to list health, which also makes sense. <laughs> Went out with my family to celebrate my wife's birthday, and I got talking about some some uh, physical test or something or something upcoming, <laughs> my wife said, yep, you can tell we're old farts. <laughs> we're talking about our health. Those who are left in their political leanings are more likely to cite nature, friends, and hobbies as a source of meaning in their life, while those on the right include religion, freedom, and independence more often. And here's something else that was really interesting, is citing freedom and independence as uh, being what gives someone meaning was almost double. It was uh, 5% in 2017, 5%, and it jumped to 9% in 2021. I don't think there's really any question as to why convinced that the increase in the sentiment of freedom and independence is a result of the pandemic and uh, the strong resistance, certainly in the United States, that right-leaning evangelicals, uh, people that rate faith and religion high, the, the resentment they harbor against wearing masks or being vaccinated. So um, that really wasn't surprising that we saw such a great difference between left and right. 
and I can't, I'm not sure in the ver verbiage of the study if they were just talking about U.S. citizens or if they were talking globally. But nevertheless, I know there's a component of that in many other countries. So what do we make of all this? I know I, I probably didn't talk about emotions as much in this segment as I normally do. But uh, financial therapy also involves this word finance. And part of financial therapy, part of financial well-being is having a financial plan, addressing that. And at the heart of a financial plan then needs to be what brings meaning into your life. Now, this is where we're going to get to the difference between financial well-being and material well-being as it was used in the study. A dollar bill in itself probably doesn't bring a lot of meaning into your life. The financial asset itself, that inanimate object of a dollar bill, Jacob Needleman would agree with that who wrote Money and the Meaning of Life. But what brings meaning into our life is what the dollar bill can buy. So a dollar bill is converted into material well-being, which can be food and shelter, a car, warmth, you know, clothes. Um, and it can also provide the access to all these other elements of well-being. Money touches all of the top five things that make life meaningful. It's hard to go visit friends without money, right? You need something to wear, something, some transportation to get you there. Perhaps uh, some money to enjoy time together. What is the number one reason people say that they can't spend more time with family? which is usually one of the top things in uh, what's really important to you. What would you regret in life? Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to spend time with my family. Or I wish I would have spent more time with your family. When I ask why, almost universally with anybody who's working, it's because ugh, I got to work. Well, that definitely uh, falls in the category of money touching time with family. We need it for our physical needs. Now, you may be in a country that has um, free health care. Well, it's not completely free because your taxes are higher than in the U.S. In the U.S., you, you do need money to care for your physical needs, to pay insurance premiums. Um, and I would just argue everything on the list touches money. So I have a hunch had they framed the questions in that way and maybe listed material well-being as financial well-being respondents may have ranked it number one in in all countries you know not just in korea so hope you've enjoyed this I, it was just a fascinating survey a fascinating study that really put some uh some flesh on the bones of, the, of the, this concept of well-being and how important it is to us and how important it is that it's addressed in your financial plan. Certainly a component of financial therapy, right? Because we are focusing on financial well-being and emotional well-being and the intersection of 
those two. So maybe uh, maybe you want to get a copy of this study. It's uh, if you went to pewresearch.org, pewresearch.org, you'll find it there. It's what makes life meaningful, views from 17 advanced economies. And um, consider of those 17 things, where would you rank them? What, what makes life worth living for you? It could really pay big dividends as you work on your emotional health, financial health as to what's uh, really important for you. So, glad to have been uh, with you, and I look forward to um, chatting with you next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.